Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Log Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. It's another snowy, I say another snowy Saturday afternoon in Georgia. That's right. We're getting the snow, but make sure you careful out there on the roads because we don't need anybody slipping and sliding. So be very careful because they're speaking of black ice in most areas. But you're tuned into the bright side with Technicia, and we are on a good start. We get a healthy serving of peace and blessings into our life. So I hope you're ready to tune in and have your ears open today because today is going to be another discussion on anorexia. And that's, we had a discussion last time on the show about that, but it's a different guest and this is her journey of discussing that. But before, but before we get into that, I'd like to take you down a memory lane with some good old tunes and we'll be right back after this.
best friend, huh? They say keep the ones you love close, and your enemies keep it closer. But I can't wait for you. Because the one I thought was a friend to me ended up being my true enemy. down memory lane with Uncle Sam. Never want to see you again. But right now, there's more information coming up because I have a wonderful and former guest and a great friend of mine named Jennifer Jordan, and she has a new book out, Anorexia. Discussion is on, can you ever be too thin or not? And these are issues that a lot of us don't think about because we think life is good for everyone, but there's someone out there who's really struggling with those issues. And Jen is one of those who struggled through this. And she's here to tell us and incite us with her wonderful journey that she led up to and on her path of having this book out now. So, Jennifer, first and foremost, thank you for taking out your time to be here with us again. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, it's good times, good times, Jennifer. I, I loved our first discussion that we had and that was so wonderful. And now you're back again because you're you came out about your issues with anorexia. Right. Yeah. So I'm um, 54, and I became anorexic when I was 13. So I've dealt with it for many years in my life, and I see nine and a half pounds, and I'm five foot five. So wow. I almost died. And, uh, yeah, I almost died from it. And then several years ago, I ended up getting hit by a bike and it knocked me down and it broke my knee. And then I ended up later getting a broken shoulder. And with those two injuries, I knew that if I didn't gain weight, there'd be no way my body would be able to recover. So that's really kind of what catapulted me into a deeper level of recovery because I had been in the low 70s for several years and I don't even know how I stayed alive. I mean, a doctor even told me she didn't know how I stayed alive and so I just have to trust that, you know, it was like the grace of God that that kept me alive. (laughs) Exactly. Jennifer, let's explain what anorexia is for most who probably don't know. Well, I mean, it involves a lot, but it's certainly starving oneself. I mean, it's not giving oneself enough food to maintain any type of a healthy body weight. It's also having a distorted body image, uh, not really seeing what is reality. So even though I was way thin, I thought I was too fat and still needed to lose weight. So the the person really has 
um, you know, just misconceptions about what they what they look like. But it's it's, it's really a, a, those both those factors. It's not giving a person the nourishment and then not seeing the reality of what they look like. Right. Now, on a typical day, Jennifer, what would you normally eat? Oh, when I was really in the height of the anorexia, I mean, I hardly ate anything. Um, I would maybe have like a half, like at lunch, maybe a half of a sandwich, like a half of a tuna sandwich, maybe uh, like a few carrots. And uh, not, you know, much at dinner. I mean, (laughs) um, gosh, I mean, just very little. Maybe like a little bit of um, chicken, a little vegetables, maybe like like a waffle at breakfast. I mean, I just wasn't eating enough at all. And sometimes I would go like a day without food. Sometimes I would go two days without food. So, yeah, and then what happens getting anorexic is, like, your mind, my mind just kind of goes somewhere else because it's like the body becomes so hungry that other parts of it have to shut down. And so it's almost like living in the clouds. So it's, it's, it's a kind of a strange sort of a high, but it's like my mind, it's almost like being lightheaded all the time. And oh, wow. I was a gymnast for I was a gymnast for ten years, and I loved gymnastics. Um, but I mean, that was another factor for me that contributed to a focus on have to look perfect, have the perfect body, you know, not be an ounce overweight. Right. And um, and I love I like that feeling of being light and airy. <laughs> um, but in an anorexic sense, I mean, it's deadly. I mean, it got to the point where I was so thin that I was collapsing a lot. Like, for instance, I would just be walking, and my legs would just give out on me, and I would just fall. I had some horrendous falls where I would just fall face down on the cement. And uh, I remember once just trying to walk up a curb, and I couldn't make it up the curb. I mean, I just, I collapsed. So I was often at the chiropractors because I, because I kept falling so much. So, um, I mean, that was, that would just be typical. I had very difficult time walking upstairs. I'd have to pull myself up. Um, And even trying to push a cart around a grocery store was hard. I didn't have the energy or the strength to push it with my arm so I'd have to lean my whole body weight against the cart to get it around a store. So, I mean, that's what my that's what my life was like. And it's not that I ever really wanted to die or anything like that. I just, you know, right. it was just a way I had learned to cope in my life. And, and, uh, and then, like I said, several years ago, I had that really bad accident where, I ended up in a wheelchair in a rehab hospital for a couple months, and that really propelled me into, um, you know, gaining weight and really deciding that, okay, I need to really be vocal about what happened to me. And because, I mean, my recovery is a day day at a time. It's not like, it's not like, you know, the mind Right. Nothing's overnight. So, um, I mean, it's something I'll deal with forever, but at least now I'm in a, you know, a healthy place. I mean, my, you know, I've got energy. I don't have any of those issues anymore. And so thank God. I no, I know. Well, exactly. And so I just felt that I really need to tell my story. And, and it's right. ironic because when I started telling people, um, you know, like, oh, yes, I was recovering from anorexia. Everybody already knew. I mean, they already knew. It's not like you can hide that. <laughs> yeah, because I was going um, to ask, because you said that you dropped down to 70 pounds, and I was going to ask, did your family and friends notice your anorexia? Oh, yeah. I mean, they did, but it's like they, I mean, they would, I mean, nobody really knew how to help me. So okay. they would say things like, um uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, they would be, certainly be encouraging me to eat, 
But, I mean, mostly, to be honest, what I had from people was a lot of criticism. People would call me a bag of bones. They would say I look like I was in a concentration camp. They told me that I lost my look. So mostly what I experienced from people was was very painful. And I talked about that in the book. Yeah, I mean, that just made me want to... That just made me want to isolate more, which for an anorexic right. is deadly because it's already a disease of isolation. Right. So when you I looking for help and you were showing me away. Yeah, when I would go out in the world, like for instance, I could just be walking out in the street and somebody might, you know, comment, and it was very painful, and and it was actually kind of shocking. I mean, certainly knew that people who were overweight, you know, got a lot of verbal abuse from people but I didn't realize for me as an underweight person I mean I got so much verbal attacking like that it was it was a nightmare and and um and mostly what I found from people is that they would want to help me but nobody knew how no one hardly anybody I shouldn't say nobody but the majority of the people did not know what to say to me that would be helpful and so I talk about that in the book too I one of the parts it's called a letter from an anorexic, and and I wrote like dear, you know, it's like it's called it's, it starts with to those who love and care about an anorexic, and and basically what I'm talking about is my experience and what was not helpful and what was helpful because is mostly right. mostly what would be helpful for someone to tell me would just mostly be how they loved me, they cared about me. And they were glad that I was there because honestly, I'm for glad. an anorexic, it's so much about it's so much about not loving yourself that really, just right. like healing from friends and family is just knowing that I'm lovable because then I know that I'm valuable and feel like my life is worth it. And so then I want to treat myself better and be here. Um, now, I mean, I've done a lot in therapy and support groups, you know, to deal with the actual issues. But in terms of just like friends mm-hmm. and family, how they can help me, it's mostly just by affirming that they love me and I'm glad they're glad I'm here. Right, I'm glad you got the counseling. You improved, and you was able to improve that self image and your body image. Because I could imagine that could be hard, and sometimes people could be so cruel because they don't understand. But I always feel like this, and it's it's a cliche. But if you don't have nothing nice to say, then don't open your mouth. If you don't understand, just be quiet and leave it alone. Because I don't make assumptions if I don't know what's actually going on. But Jennifer, when did you actually realize that you needed help? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, I first, because uh, I'm also recovering um, bulimic and compulsive overeater, so I first sought help for that when I was uh, 21, and it's because I was uh, suicidal. Um, I couldn't I couldn't stop the compulsive overeating. I mean, I was in that realm of the eating disorder at that time. And so I went inpatient. And so I was working in recovery group, but I got, I still, um, I had started anorexic at 13. So I ended up going back more towards getting really thin again. So I was, I was actually getting help along the way, but I just, wasn't able to really break through <laughs> um, until I had that bad accident when I was 49 years old. So it's kind of strange. I mean, I'm like one of the chapters in the book. It's called um, it's called uh, like breaking bones leads to breakthrough and healing. I mean, that is really what catapulted me because, like I said, I knew with the two breaks in my bones. I mean, my shoulder was got shattered. And I fell on it, and I had such, you know, I had osteoporosis from the anorexia that my whole shoulder shattered. So my arm was hanging like a marionette doll arm. And it was really then I knew I have to get help or I am not going to make it. And um, and that was, like I said, that was um, 40, when 49, I'm now 54. I just turned 54. So it was hey, those man. amount of years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, I directed the book. Yeah, I directed the book like towards middle school student age and, and, um, you know, teenagers, adults certainly will get 
stuff from this too. And um, but I just, I mean, certainly my hope is just to help uh, people avoid going, you know, that way, or if they have already started going that way, to help, you know, enlighten them more, you know, to steer away from it, and and ultimately to have a loving sense of one's body regardless of one's weight. Because I've been on all ends of the spectrum. I've been underweight. I've been overweight. Now, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm in a more normal range. And, um, but I mean, I, I, I think that's so, for me, that's so much a message I would want to tell people is just to love themselves no matter where, no matter where they're at. And um, because, I mean, for me, that's, that's the ultimate healing. I, I learned as an anorexic, I didn't feel worth my space on the planet. Huge thing for me now is to just feel like I'm worth my space, that everybody's worth their space. And, um, and you know, now I can, <laughs> you know, take up space. I mean, I like I said, the, the whole anorexic thing is about to be invisible. And, and so going public in my book and, you know, putting it out there to people and sharing, I I had um, I live in Long Beach, California, and I submitted the book to the Long Beach Public Library, to the the school district. I'm going to try to get it in more places, and and both the places accepted it. It's, you know, I just found out yesterday they accepted it in the uh, school libraries, the middle and high school libraries, and you know where I live, and and in the public library, and you know, so it's like I'm slowly starting, hopefully getting you know this uh, more of a healing message. Um, you know, out to younger people, and and I'm hoping that you know parents and teachers and you know others you know who can read the book, then it will give them more understanding. Um, because again, I feel like if people can understand more, it'll breed more compassion and more love, and that's ultimately um, you know what heals. Is Exactly, Jen. I do. I agree. I agree with you all the way. Now, how are because for the ones who may be going through this situation, how can they recover from anorexia or other eating disorders? Well, I would say definitely um, nobody can recover by themselves. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I, I can just share I can just share what's helped me. So I have done um, individual therapy. I've done group therapy. I've also done family therapy because, I mean, I believe that wherever there's some kind of addiction or issue, that it's usually an, uh, stuff going on in the family. And, um, and so if it was like one of the, you know, like a son or a daughter, um, I mean, I would certainly um, – you know, encourage that person to, you know, get um, therapy, join different support groups, but also to do stuff for their whole family. Um, And uh, I, you know, there's there's 12-step programs which people can do, you know, which are, um, you know, which are free, basically, um, you know, there's like Overeaters Anonymous, there's Anorexics um, Bulimics um, Anonymous, and um, that, you know, where people can get help. So, I mean, I certainly would recommend that those kinds of things. Um, and for sure, uh, you know, therapy, because people have to find out what's going on beneath, beneath it, because it's just a symptom of other stuff. But again, um, I mean, I've done stuff, you know, with my, my family as well. Both of my parents have passed away now, but in the past, you know, I had done, um, you know, some different things with therapy uh, with them as well. And all of, all of that, you know, is really helpful. But if a person's family is not willing to do anything in recovery, it doesn't mean that the person who has the issue can't recover, um, that they still can do stuff um, with support groups, with therapy, you know, to heal. So I have learned that as well, that my recovery is not dependent upon what anybody else does. 
um, because, you know, pretty much in my family, I'm really the only one who's on a path of healing. It doesn't matter because I can still reach out and get the help, you know, that I need. Um, and I've, I've learned over the years who are the people to talk to about this and who, who won't judge me and who I can still say, okay, I fear if I'm going to eat X, Y, Z, I'm going to be too fat or I'm going to be too big. And then my friend will remind me, Jennifer, you're not too fat. You're not too big. So, I mean, <laughs> that would be another thing is, is really finding people in your life that you're safe with and that right. you can really, you know, share, share these, you know, because sometimes my brain will get crazy thoughts and I realize they're crazy, but, um, but it also helps to have another friend just say, yeah, Jennifer, you know, you're fine. No, you're not too big. And then I, then I can be, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm okay, so I can eat that. And, you know, be at peace with, you know, weighing more and things like that. So, um, so those would be some things that I have found that have been helpful for, um, you know, in, in my journey is support groups, therapy, and then really developing a loving community of people I don't hardly go to therapy anymore now, but there were there were times when I was deeply involved, and I don't need to go to my support groups as much as I used to. I still do some, and but I again I've really over the years built up a network of you know loving friends and um, you know people that uh, I really can share honestly with, so that I don't have to be alone through anything. And, um, you know, I don't have to rely on those old coping mechanisms of, you know, starving myself and, you know, doing something destructive. Um, I mean, I personally am also, um, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a really committed with my faith. And that has been another, you know, huge, huge part of, you know, my my journey, I feel, for me, has been you know, developing a, a stronger, you know, relationship, you know, spirit, spiritual, you know, religious um, practice. And um, like I said, I feel like, you know, it's now part of the mission of why I'm on the planet. You know, I feel like God's brought me through to hopefully really be a voice of healing and hope for people. Well, yeah, we definitely hope this show gets out where others can definitely share. And if you're on the live feed right now watching on Instagram, make sure you share this information because there's someone who may be going through it and afraid to tell you or you notice some changes and haven't recognized. And if you're listening to the replay here on Blog Talk Radio, share this. Get the information out. Get the word out. So what other advice do you have for other young women and men who are facing eating disorders? I would say if somebody is in school, um, you know, schools also have counselors. And so a student could, if they're not, if they don't feel comfortable talking to their parents, I would suggest that they go, you know, you can make an appointment with a counselor. And that's all free. And um, they could at least start at least talking to somebody then or even the school nurse or someone or a teacher that a teacher that they felt comfortable with. I mean, I would I would do that. Um, I I I work in education, so I mean, I'm really familiar with that whole system, and so that would be a place. And then hopefully, you know, that person could you know give them some local resources because again, there's places where um, teenagers can go that are that are low cost. You know, like 12 step programs where they don't have to they don't have to pay you know, where they, they could get help. And, uh, but I would, I would start with that, with, um, with going to a counselor, you know, going to a counselor. And I would even do stuff like, um, you know, Googling eating disorders, you know, Googling mm-hmm. anorexia. Right. There are different, you know, blogs um, where people, uh, you know, can connect with others and they, you know, can do that um, an- anonymously. Um, I mean, there's places like the national, um Let's see, like there's the National Eating Disorders Association, you know, again, where they can go on their website, there's another national organization for anorexia, too, where they can, you know, go on those websites. They can, you know, read 
um, other people's stories. And then, again, they can do some of the blogs and connect with people and just start to, you know, realize they're not alone. I mean, I, I remember when I was in ninth grade and dealing with this, and I just felt, like, so alone. I just didn't think that anybody else dealt with this kind of stuff or had these kind of thoughts in their mind. And so for me, it was so healing to realize there's a lot of people like me. I'm not alone. And the good news of that was then that I was able to, you know, get recovery because one thing I wrote about is that I got sick in isolation, but that I got well in community. So however people can start to build a community, whether it's online or, you know, in some way, um, that can also, um, you know, get them get them connected and just out of their own brains. Um, and then right. certainly, you know, read, reading about it just to get educated. So, you know, books like, you know, the one I've done, you know, other books that are available, um, all that I think helps. And just even basic things like um, affirmations. Um, you know, somebody even wrote up like a couple affirmations for themselves. You know, oh, I love like affirmations. That. You know, just yeah, just basic stuff like. Um, you know, like I just, you know, like I love who I, you know, I love who I am and I love and accept my body, you know, exactly, you know, as it is and things like that. Um, right. uh, some other some other things that I've done, um, you know, that I uh, are, I've had to get rid of a lot of clothes. Um, as I've gained weight, I've had to get rid of small clothes because they're oh, too wow. much of a temptation. They're too much of a temptation right. for me to get back into. And another actual significant part of my recovery is to say, no, I'm getting rid of these things because I'm not, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to go back there. It's been like another declaration of I'm going forward. So I would say as, you know, people too start to recover, they kind of got to have to own a new body and own a new body image. Um, so that that would be another that would be another part of it. But honestly, the main thing I would do would be to tell somebody, um, and uh, and that's where again, when dealing with students, is that I would start I would start with the school, or you know, if somebody's involved in church and maybe feel safe with their like if they're in a youth group at the church, you know, I would talk to um, uh, you know somebody at the church that they felt comfortable with, you know, and then maybe they could even get some counseling through their church, you know, something like, something like that. But however anybody can get out of themselves and, and go for help that, um, that, uh, you know, and I, I think then they'll start to, um, gosh, I mean, just feel more connected because again, it's for me, ultimately it's about, um, I think first receiving love from others. I I, I feel like exactly. people had to you love me. Support. People had to love me until I could really get right. more love for myself, and then now I can pass it on more. Um, but I first had to get it from others because I didn't have enough of my own, and now fortunately I do. And um, but that's but if anybody can just have the courage to just like I said, go to somebody at a school, a church. You know, right. any place like that, it'll it'll at least um, you know start start to to shift things for them. Oh yeah, I agree with those. I agree with that advice. You definitely need to support for going through something like this because that's a traumatic um, journey that you're um, that you're experiencing. But don't go anywhere because we're not done with Jennifer just yet. So I want you to stay tuned. Here with me on The Bright Side with Technicia. We'll be right back after this. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio, baby. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds. And most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. 
Or if that resume was from someone who... Worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone... Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. All right, we're back. And if you're just tuning in or listening to the replay, we're here with Jennifer Jordan with her new book out on anorexia. And she has been explaining her journey and how to overcome it. It's a very hard journey when you're going through this. And a lot of people don't understand it. So they either ridicule you or they're shown away from you and treat you like you're an alien, make you want to be isolated. And these are things that we have to stop doing because people go through this because we have so many images, Jen, surrounding us constantly of unrealistically thin or fit men and women, but it seems that not everyone is as susceptible to negative self-comparison. Everyone seems to have this image, um, and I believe because it's a multi-determined category of disorders, there's no one factor that just stands out, but to me, people with dis Eating um, disorders often report having been teased about their appearance or body size or shape, as you said, Jan. Yeah, I mean, the first time I can remember was I was nine years old, and I was at, like, a summer camp. <laughs> and another, and I was chopping wood at this little day camp, and another girl uh, said that I had big thighs. Oh, and wow. And that was the first time. Yes, that I had big thighs, and that was the first time I think I even became aware of my body. Because as a child, I didn't even think about my body. And so that planted the seed in me that I was too big. And years later, I found a picture of me when I was chopping wood, and I just looked like a normal nine-year-old. But I was a gymnast. I started gymnastics in second grade and then did that through 12th. So um, I was not fat, but I had strong legs from gymnastics. So right. but she still planted, she planted that seed in my brain that I was too big. So, I mean, I had, you know, a variety of things which happened to me which contributed. So, I mean, that would be one you know, certain dynamics in my family. Um, and again, I talk about some of the triggers in, in the book, but, um, but a large part of anorexia is about a desire to control. And it's coming right. from a place of fear. So there were some things that happened in my family where, uh, like for instance, my, when I was in junior high school, my dad started working nights. And before then, my family always, had dinner together, and and once he started working nights, that that all changed, and it was like our whole family unit kind of got broken up in a way. So I I think for me, I ended up probably feeling really insecure, and so what I could control, I couldn't control anything that was going on outside, but what I could control was my food, my body, and my weight. So I think it became like a safety, um, you right. know, strategy for me. And, again, I was in gymnastics at the time, so I was already getting messages from there about you've got to look a certain way. And I remember there was another girl on a gymnastics team that I was on who was a little overweight. I mean, not much, maybe five pounds. But, uh, but one of the coaches called her bubble butt. And so, and I remember hearing that, thinking, I don't want anybody to call me bubble butt. So, so again, that was like another message. And then um, just in terms, in terms of my background, and I'll share this because it was um, another factor, but when I was a child growing up, when I was seven and eight years old, I was sexually abused by an older cousin. 
and uh, and that was a key factor for me because then when I hit puberty, I realized on some level I felt it was too scary for me to to become a woman because again of what had happened to me with as a child. You know, it right. was like on some level I felt too afraid of, oh, my gosh, if I become a woman, what's going to happen to me? And it's not that I wanted to be a man, but it was just this fear of owning my femininity, my sexuality. So that's been another huge part of recovery has been needing to work on those, you know, issues of abuse, you know, to feel, again, comfortable now being a woman and happy being a woman and knowing that now I can take care of myself. You know, I've, I've learned to set boundaries. I can say yes, I can say no. Whereas my, my voice got taken away so many years ago that again, it's been another part of my journey. So for years, Mm -hmm. my boundary was weight. You know, I was like too little or I was too big, you know, to keep people away. And now you know, I can be more of a normal size and know that, no, I I can, you know, if I'm wanting to go out with someone, I can give them a yes. If I don't, I can say no. I can, you know, take yeah, right. care of myself, you know, that way. Um, I, again, I, those are... just, just listening to you talk about that, Jennifer, especially with the perspective on your family, I think that's probably one of the, the biggest one is the family preoccupation with weight. Sometimes we don't know how our child is really actually taking all that when you call them certain names or when you have that when they have that board in their life um and this is this most of what they're going through we're talking about weight the food and appearance or being teased in other ways as you said such in school and going through this horrific event with a family member like those are things that all tax on and it makes it does it makes perfect sense and our family sometimes is the biggest issue and there to me it appears to be some casual biology issues as well um but that can also be very hard to me in my sense but it's sort of like a chicken and egg thing because people often don't come to the attention of these research studies until they have an eating disorder and once you're eating this disorder you're changing your biology to me oh well exactly and um and i mean for me at this point in my life i mean i it's like i'm 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 healthy, but I mean my body's had a lot of damage, you know, wreckage, right. um, you know, from from all that I've gone through. So, um, I mean, all I can do now is treat myself, you know, all I is eat well now, you know, not do all those destructive things um, that I used to do, you know, in order to get myself in the best, you know, place I can be in now. But, I mean, honestly, when I, you know, think back of all those years and, you know, when I went through growing up, I mean, I can still feel really sad. And and on the other hand, I can feel compassion for myself as a little girl because it's like, you know, that was how I found to cope, you know, with all those different things, what was going on in, you know, my family system, you know, some of the stuff I talked about with, you know, the older cousin and, Um, And then the changes in my family and where, um, you know, anorexia just became a a place of safety for me. And, um, you know, and it worked until it stopped working and was killing me. And then it was like, okay, I got to either start eating or I'm going to be off the planet. And I did not want to. And I, and when I, um, you know, had those breaks and bones, I really had to just decide, no, I'm not going to cash in my chips. You know, I'm going to give myself a chance. And so I had to start eating more. I had to start adding extra meals and, you know, not just have three meals. I had to start having four meals. You know, there's been times where I've had to have six meals a day and I've just had to do it. And sometimes when I get scared, you know, a friend will remind me, well, Jennifer, do you want to go back to the hospital? You know, do you want to do you want to stay healthy? Do you want to get sick again? Because I kept getting sick. So, because my immune system was so compromised. So, I would, you know, be in the ER or, you know, at the doctor so many times and you know, that's not my reality now. Now, you know, I've been doing a lot of international traveling lately and I had not been able to travel anywhere for 18 years. I, well, I hadn't gone anywhere, 
you know, for a variety of reasons. And this past year, I've um, taken eight trips, actually, and I'm about to go again in another week and a half. And, um, and that's all been through my recovery. And now I can travel around the world and, you know, I can eat and I can have a good time and I can have full energy. I mean, I've been walking over, you know, ruins, monuments, and, you know, Greece and Egypt over the last year, whereas before, you know, in the anorexia, like I said, I could hardly walk up a flight of stairs, you know. So I really feel like, you know, healing is possible. Um, but honestly, if people, if people really don't choose recovery, you know, people can die. I mean, I've known people, you know, in my journey of dealing with other people with eating disorder. I mean, I've known people, you know, who've died. And, um, and so, again, I just, you know, I just so hope that, um, you know, people will reach out and that they'll tell someone. And even, you know, even like if somebody's involved in sports, you know, they could talk to a coach, you know, because sometimes students will feel more comfortable with a coach. Um, and, uh, you know, that, um, you know, they'll just tell somebody, you know, to start um, getting some help and to start um, treating themselves better because so much of it's in the mind. I mean, it manifests in the body, but it's really all coming from that mind, you know, about where somebody feels safe and secure and, you know, and loved and, and um, you know, so that people can make, you know, better choices for themselves, um, you know, not just with food, but how they're treating themselves in other ways as well, because it all, it all is part of the same thing. You know, it's a journey of, um, of learning to love oneself. And the food is just a part of that. Exactly. Now, Jen, since you since you've been going through through this journey, um, do you think that the rates of anorexia and views around eating disorders different in different parts of the world? I believe that the more um, a country is focused on media has a lot of uh-huh. technology and movies and uh, more kind of the Western media, so to speak, that it's worse. Yeah. So I know there was like a study, and I think it was, um, oh, gosh, like in, it, I could be getting the countries wrong, but somewhere like out in the South Seas, you know, more like in Samoa, Tahiti, I mean, it was kind of like somewhere in those places where they the um, they first did not have much of the Western media, like you know all of the movies and things, and so they weren't they didn't have so much concern with body image, and then once they started getting all of the TV and everything, then they started having more trouble with eating disorders. So again, just from seeing those images of the super thin people, then they then they started having this good troubles. So I think there's the, there, the more that people focus on that and have access to that, that it's worse. So I think it's worse in, again, areas that are more, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, more developed and have all the access to, you know, to, again, you know, seeing the magazines, um, you know, seeing, uh, and even seeing the stuff like, all the social media, you know, seeing the Snapchat, the Instagram. I mean, those honestly can be deadly um, because, again, I work in school, so kids are on that stuff all day. I mean, they're past, you know, they're looking at, you know, the videos and Snapchat and looking at photos and things. So there's so much focus on looks that, again, and any, you know, it's so, it, and ironically, it's like a problem of more affluence. And, um, I mean, not that people have to be super wealthy. That's not my point. But, I mean, you know, still the United States, for instance, overall, you know, um, is, you know, still can, is, you know, pretty has a lot of the technology and those kind of things where um, kids are looking at those images. So I think the more a society has that, the more they've got these issues like the eating disorders. 
And because also with all the commercialism, I mean, the commercialism, I mean, you know, stuff like makeup, all that, I mean, kind of the message behind that is, um, you know, you're not okay, so you need this in order to be okay. So if kids aren't getting those messages, then they end up just feeling okay. And, um, but, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my personal, um, that's my personal belief. Um, so, you know, and it's sad. So, I mean, I have to like not look at all that stuff. I mean, I, I will still look at fashion magazines and, um, but I don't look at them the way I used to. Um, I can't, I can't dwell on that. And I certainly can't have that as any type of a goal because it's not healthy right. for me. Exactly. And you know what's what's so shocking because when I was growing up I would actually think that this was a white upper middle class disorder. But now it is an equal opportunity disorder. I mean, we have so many black stars who have had it, Oprah Winfrey, Kerry Washington. Um, I mean, there's there's many more that actually have been through this emotional emotional estate yeah well yes it's, so, i mean it, it crosses all boundaries <laughs> yeah it does it don't matter what color or race you are um anyone can go through this issue so jennifer i'm so happy you're walking traveling now what are some healthier things what are some other healthier things that you're doing it now Oh, gosh, I would say I'm really, um, I'm finally living my dreams more and having the courage, having the courage to do that. Um, um, You know, I've worked in education for about 30 years, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm also a writer. And so, you know, since I've really committed more to life, um, you know, this is now my second book that's uh, been published. Um, and, uh, you know, my whole, you know, relationship life has expanded. I've done things like, um, I mean, just even nice things for myself, like had my colors done, um, worked with, um, you know, a fashion person up in L.A. who, you know, really helped me, um, you know, just get some really nice clothes for myself. And, um, you know, where I've just really redone my wardrobe, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, and this traveling over the last year has been a huge, huge part. I, I'm, and I, for about the next year and a half, I've got a lot of international trips planned. And so I'm, I'm just doing that. I, and I do, you know, just nice things. Like I go, um, you know, for facials like every couple months and uh, things like that. I, I nurture myself more. And I don't, like as an anorexic, I would say, you know, anorexics typically are really hard workers and way too hard on themselves. So, um, so I would say one thing I do now is I let myself rest more. I let myself play more. I mean, I was always so driven. And I'm still reaching goals, but I'm doing them in a gentler way. So I just live, um, I just live a more nurturing lifestyle in all ways. And I do eat foods that I like. I mean, I think anorexia is so much about self-deprivation and about punishment and, you know, living on, like, dry toast and carrots and celery and, I mean, just basic things like that. It's like I don't, I don't eat like that. I mean, I eat healthy foods, but I eat good foods. And I eat, you know, it's like, you know, before I would have never eaten an avocado. You know, that would just seem too fattening to me. And now, you know, like I'll have a whole avocado. I'll put oil on my food, you know, olive oil, those kinds of things, which, which are nurturing. But before, I wouldn't have done that. I honestly would just have had, like, dry toast. And um, so, uh, so I'm doing just I, – I, I say I just have, like, a nurturing lifestyle. This afternoon, um, I'm in a writing group, so I'm going to go join my writing group. Tomorrow, I'll be going to church in the morning. In the afternoon, I'm going to a movie with a friend. And then Monday, I'll be back at work. You know, I enjoy my work. And then in a week, I'm leaving for Australia. So I really have a full life. So, I mean, I talk about an anorexia. It's like 
you know, now my food is a full plate and I have a full life. So because to me, recovering from anorexia, it's, it's really about committing to life, all aspects of life, you know, developing our relationships, going for our dreams. And I'm doing that. I'm doing that now. And um, I'm doing it in my 50s. I, my hope for people is that they would, you know, do this, you know, really um, get into healing and, and uh, you know, going for their dreams at a younger age. So it's taken me many years. So, I mean, I can also say it's never too late. And, uh, but, um, but that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just really, I'm finally, I say, living a full, healthy, happy life. And not, a perf- not doing it perfectly and not expecting myself to do it perfectly. I would say anorexia is also certainly a disease of perfectionism. And I'm not perfect anymore. Um, and I, I don't expect myself to be. And I give myself more grace. And I'm, you know, with friends where we do give ourselves. So I don't have the hammer over my head so much anymore. Um, I mean, I still give my all you know, generally to whatever I do. But, um, but again, I, I think I've learned to have more compassion for myself, compassion for others, and to live a more gentle life, and, um, but to still do it. You know, the sayings, it's like, you know, easy does it, but do it. I still do it, but in a much more fun and relaxed and, and healthy manner. So not just with food, but these other areas as well. Like I said, my work and my, my weekends and then, you know, what I do for some of my bigger goals right now, like some of these trips which I'm taking. So it's really about developing a full life. Exactly. I love the way you put that. You got to enjoy life to the fullest, and I'm glad to see that you enjoy every bit of it. Jennifer, you deserve it. You overcame this traumatic experience, and you're entitled to have every bit of it. You you go ahead and smile all you want to. That's what you need to do. But Jennifer, <laughs> let's um tell the listeners where we can actually get your book from. Okay, well, uh, people could get it on Amazon. So again, it's called Anorexia. You can never be too thin, or can you? And then my it would be under my name, you know, Jennifer K. Jordan, uh, J O R D A N. Um, people could okay. also go on to people so they could get it on Amazon. They could also go on to my website, which is um, inspiringwisdomtoday.com. Um, and on the home page, I think there's a link on there that they could click on it to go to the um, the Amazon page to get it. so they could they could uh, do that as well. Well, you heard it from Jen. I'm glad you put that information in there because I was looking for the book and I was like, oh, maybe I'm putting it in there wrong. I'm trying to find it. I said I probably didn't put the whole name correctly. Before yeah, I leave, and then everyone... if people add in my name, that, that would okay. be another thing just because there are other books on Amazon. So I have found that's what I have to do um, is to put in Jennifer K., you know, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, um, and right. then it can come up too, yeah, with the whole title. And then, okay. um, and then my name. So, well, I'm glad that we were able to have this show, and you came back on for the second time. And I hope to keep having you on because it's always so wonderful to, to chat with you. Like we've been friends for over thirty some years. <laughs> but before I leave, everyone, the truth of the day, as I always give at the end of the show, from my friend Mary Ellen Signovich, is this. Enjoy your Saturday. Have fun. And during this holiday season, let us all keep this truth in mind. People were created to be loved. Things were created to be used. The reason why the world is in chaos is because things are being loved and people are being used. So, hey, don't use anyone and love everyone truthfully and honestly. But I thank you for listening. I'll see you next time on The Bright Side with Technicia. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.